Hi, I'm Ellen. And this is Alex. And this is Uniquely Portable Magic, a podcast about all things books. So this week we are talking about A Queen in Hiding by Sarah Koslov. It is the first book in the Nine Realms series, and it follows a queen and her princess, uh, as well as introducing you to some of her subjects and uh, characters in a couple of other, I guess, countries or realms yeah. in uh, in the the world that Sarah Kosloff creates. And while everything starts off well, then the queen and princess are basically thrust into turmoil and you get to experience uh, their challenges and attempts at you know, basically staying alive and surviving. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so wanted to also provide a spoiler alert. Obviously, if you've listened to our podcast before, we talk in depth about the book. So um, if you haven't read it, don't want any spoilers, pause here, go and read it because it's a great book, and then come back and join us for the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if you don't care about spoilers, uh, please, you know, stay stick around and listen. We always say that. So, we always say that, and I just, every time I'm like, who doesn't care about spoilers? <laughs> there are some people. I know. It's true. Like, I have a, I have I a, personally think they're crazy, but, I have, you know, I have a couple friends. I know. Same. I have a couple friends who are like that, too, and I'm like, I just don't understand. But whatever. Okay. <laughs> I suppose that's right. I suppose. So, Ellen, why don't you start us off with your favorite character from the book? So, I did finally settle on one. I know. Surprise, surprise. I can't pick just one. Um, But I sort of waffled back and forth um, for a little while. But I decided that um, Cerulea slash Ren was my favorite character. Um, I really liked her growth through the story, um, and um, I'm also just very anxious about what's going to happen to her. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, um, while I enjoyed all of the storylines that we were following, hers was the one that I was most like, <gasps> like I have to get back. Like, what is going on? And which is funny because for most of her storyline, hers is also kind of the most blah. You know, because, like, she's she's safe and she's, you know, just right. learning and things. She's a young kid, right. But it was also the one that I was like, something's going to go wrong. Something's going to happen. She's going to... Uh, something is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about you, just though? like, a constant, like, nagging in the back of your mind. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, like, of course. Always putting you, like, on edge. Yeah, always. Basically. Absolutely always. <laughs> what about you? So, my favorite character was Thalen. Is that how you pronounce his name? So, I was pronouncing it Talon, um, because... Oh, that's very different! (laughs) Well, the only reason I was doing that was because of, like, Thomas, right? Is a T-H. But it certainly... Because, like, if she was going to name him Talon, then probably she could have just spelt it, like, Talon, um, but you can call him whatever you'd like. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, though, is that I, 
have been known to really mispronounce character names, so I always second guess <laughs> what if this is correct. But I, I certainly I'm gonna still call him Phelan. Um, I'm actually just realizing that she, at the end of her book, I think has a um guide. So let me see if it's also a pronunciation guide. You can continue. Well, I would like okay, to hear about. So reason, yeah, he's my favorite character. Is I love just how he goes from this like bumbling, clumsy kid, yeah, who always asks the question why about everything, to then a studious kid. And then he becomes this, like, super smart scholar, and then, like, by the end of the book, he becomes this super intelligent man who now applies what he learned in school to the real world and uses to become a leader, like, at the very end of the book. And it's just, it's such a great journey or arc of a character. You see so much growth and... Mm -hmm. His personality is just still so strong throughout, though. And I think also partially because I'm, like, pretty clumsy, I just, like, immediately connected to him as a character. Right. Obviously. Um, So, yeah, he was was my favorite. Have you been able to find anything about pronunciation? Um, It's nice, actually. I wish I would have known this during the book. Um, It has a lot of... Um, it has, like, everybody's names in it and, like, reminders of who they are, um, but not how to pronounce them. So, that... Um, okay, so... it's. I would imagine it's probably Thalen, Thalen, something like that. Um, or not, I don't know. Maybe, maybe if we look it up online, someone will be able to tell us. Right? Oh my gosh. But... Anyways, getting yes. back to our favorites. Yes. What was your favorite part? Again, I had, I waffled a little bit, uh, but I was able to finally pick one. Um, and I decided that my um, favorite part was in one of Ren's chapters. Um, she had taken her little foster brother down to the stream and... Um, what's his name? Lemley, the boy that was also sort of an outcast from the group. Mm-hmm. Um, they came across him there and they were talking and they were having fun. And then a big group of bullies came and started attacking him. And um, my, th- that part to clarify was not my favorite part. <laughs> uh, my favorite part was that uh, sort of that whole scene, but uh, the fact that um, Ren jumped in and started fighting back um, to protect this boy um, without having any idea what she was doing. Like she, she was like, I'm, I'm here and I'm able-bodied and I'll help you even if I don't technically know what I'm doing, you know? And I just, right, like I've never been trained to fight. Or right. Do it. But I just like loved that. the spirit behind it. And the fact that she was willing to stand up for someone who was clearly not being able to stand up for himself, you know? And I just, um, I just loved it. So that was my favorite part. Um, although there were many parts that I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, what about you? So similarly to you, my favorite part kind of uh, coincides with my favorite character. Okay. So how yours was centered around Ren. Yeah. Um, my favorite part kind of centers around Thalen. 
I really just enjoyed reading about him and his studies and everything that went along with that school that he went to. um, Because you could really just see that all the students loved to learn Mm -hmm. and were like obsessed with it. And I thought that was just like really beautiful how they represented uh, such a love of learning and it just seemed like such a cool school too. Like right? if I had such a love of learning, like I would so want to go there. Right. Right. Absolutely. Like, it was, like it's not the same extent as like a Hogwarts, but I still like kind of equated it to that. Yeah, almost. for sure. Uh, and then I feel like a lot of the times during those scenes, there was also a lot of great humor interspersed (laughs) in the book. Like that's where I think a lot of the humor of the book came in those scenes. And also a lot of like really critical information that if we hadn't just had these scenes at his school, we wouldn't have known like such crucial information as like some history of, like, the Oromondo conflict or the fact that, like, no one could figure out this plague of this country and it turns out that their water is Mm -hmm. being poisoned. Yeah. Um, Like, which are two, like, crucial things that we need to know. For sure. And we wouldn't have um, without just following Thalen in his studies. Yeah, absolutely. I, like, kind of really enjoyed those parts of the book for all of those reasons. Yeah. I love it. As someone who loves learning, I definitely understand and agree with all of that. Yeah. So did you have any favorite quotes this time around? Yes. I have three. Is it only one or were there a couple? (laughs) You all should know me well by now to know that it's three. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty consistent recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one is kind of longer, and then the other two are pretty short. Um, okay. So it's interesting because I was um, so enthralled in the book that um, it wasn't really until pretty much the end that I was finding my favorite quotes. Um, so the first one is when um, is from when I'll call him Thalen, um, Thalen, okay. and <laughs> um, and Granalton, Granalton um, were at that. Uh, like meeting thing that they had gone to and um, Granelton is just like furious and he is so angry that these people are they, they didn't heed his warnings before and they can see this attack coming and they have no defense and um, he and then they he sort of finds out that they didn't heed his warning because there was kind of no glory in it and so his my first favorite quote comes from that section and it's, glory, you want glory. Granelton's raised bony fist actually shook with anger. Finally, I understand. You dither on the causeway because totally forestalling an invasion would not provide enough glory. You think you will decimate the Oro army with your new toy and win glory. Instead of thinking about glory, you should have been thinking of the welfare of your countrymen. Oh, you fools. Um, and I just got goosebumps when I read that. I was like... Oh my gosh, because it's, of course, very apt in this sense. I find that this is also a a thing that happens with my favorite quotes is that things that are not just applicable to the storyline that I'm obviously reading, but things that are very 
um, tangible and um, uh, applicable to many situations and modern situations also. Um, So that really struck home. And I was like, whoo, okay. (laughs) Um, If only more of us could heed that advice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So that really spoke to me. Um, My next one came sort of at the end of the chapter after um, the attack in uh, Sutton, wherever, uh, the place where they all are. I've, of course, forgotten the name of it by now. Um, And Thalen has been fighting. He's watched both of his brothers die. Um, He, um, you know. one of his brothers died. Oh, sorry. Yes, his brother died and then his other brother get maimed. Um, um, And he... um, uh, sort of at the end of it, he's sitting and he's watching the sun rise. And um, the quote was, he watched the sun rise mockingly as if it were just another day. And I just thought that that was hauntingly beautiful in um, um, just in general. It just, it was really yeah. pretty. Um, and then my last... Oh, Hold cool. on, I just I wanted to say that yeah. you saying that that's one of your favorite quotes makes so much sense to me. Um, just in how you grieve and how much loss you've had in your life. Yeah. Um, just because I can totally see that being a mindset of yours that's sometimes, so, like that's when you're so really struggling with your grief. That's so interesting. I guess I never would have thought about that but I think you're probably right okay you know I'm a look, genius sometimes. look at you look at you <laughs> uh Suter Suterdam Suterdam is the name of the so, place yeah I think I was pronouncing it Sutterdam yeah Wh- whatever Sutterdam. who um, knows um, authors need to just have pronunciation available at the end of all their books I, so that I'm here for it. Don't have these issues. <laughs> I'm I am absolutely here for it. Um, and then my last um, quote uh, comes from um, pretty much right, almost right at the end. Um, and um, Ren has left the her foster family. She um, has tried to escape. She was captured by the soldiers who were under the orders that they can't let any women of about 20 years old leave. She's been interrogated by Telly? Lady Tenny. Tenny. I was like, Telly is not right. Why can't I remember her name? Um, yes, Lady Tenny. Um, she's gotten away with it. Um, and then as she's leaving, she thinks to herself, humble anonymity has been my cloak. I will wear it a bit longer. Um, and I just thought it was so poetic and beautiful and, um, again, I kind of had like a moment, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, so that was my, my third and and final one. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. How about you, Alex? So, I don't know if this is allowed, but (laughs) I'm doing it anyways. I didn't have 
have a favorite quote. Um, I I don't know. Nothing really stuck out. Okay. I think if I had paid more attention, um, I could have found favorite quotes. But typically, I just kind of read, and if like something sticks out to me, yeah. Uh, but I was just very like absorbed in the book, where I wasn't paying as much attention to like the writing and wording itself, okay I think um so that's having fun the, the good news is Alex is that this is our podcast so we get we to make the rules we get to make up the rules so I'm gonna go with yeah it's totally allowed you can Perfect. you can totally do that yeah I think part of it too is like I really loved this book yeah and so I was just so absorbed in it that I didn't even really have time for, <laughs> for quotes. I, I was just plowing ahead. I get it. Absolutely. To read what was next. And I actually had a realization this morning. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that was, I mean, not profound in any way, but still a realization. I think we should call it profound. I think you should be like, <laughs> I had a revelation. I'm going to start a new religion. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's totally, totally along those lines. Perfect. Like, very, very important, obviously, to the fate of the world as we know it. Perfect. Uh, so what I realized is that I really like when you have a slew of characters that you get to learn more about, especially like when you get the different points of view and go like back and forth between storylines that in fantasy, that's something that I really prefer. Like I really prefer getting to know in detail, all of the thoughts and feelings and backgrounds of a ton of different characters Yeah. Uh, versus like really only getting to know maybe like the main character and maybe two or three supporting characters. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but that it's really more so a preference in fantasy books yeah. than in any other genres. Interesting. In other genres, I'm more open to following only a few characters. Yeah. And I think maybe that's part of the reason why I like a lot of epics, because a lot of the ones that I've read recently have those different storylines, and you go back and forth between For sure. the characters. Yeah, absolutely. I'm all about a good epic. I mean, hey, I'm here. I'm I'm here for that too. Um, yeah, I totally agree. My, um, so this this book is a adult fantasy book uh, versus like a young adult fantasy book. Um, I don't know if there's a better term than adult fantasy because that seems a little risque. I think it's, I think it's <laughs> fantasy, like, but it's within adult fiction. So you would say adult fiction fantasy but fantasy I think I don't know I don't either um but um the the one um I don't issue that I have personally um I don't know if other people feel this way too but I um and not just with this book but like in a lot of adult fantasy I'm just gonna call it that and people know what I'm talking about um is that um Actually, not even just adult fantasy, but it seems a little bit more prevalent in adult fantasy, um, but in fantasy books in general, um, is sometimes the names are just 
straight confusing. <laughs> like, I mean, there's not a better word for it. I've always, I've, for a long time, I just thought it was just how the genre is, which is totally fine. And it's, you know, you're creating worlds and you're creating people. Like, why not create names? Um, all of that. Um, but uh, I've also found that uh, recently, <laughs> um, after being diagnosed with ADHD, I think that's part of it, is that I have a hard time uh, keeping them separate if their names are too similar. And what I found, especially in this book, but mostly because I haven't read a ton of adult fantasy, um, that a lot of the names were um, a little too similar for me sometimes. And I'd be like, wait, who, why are they there? And I'd be like, oh, right. Like, um, and I noticed it especially in the male names that she uses in this book um, with some examples being like, so Queen Cressa has two half brothers and their names are Rickle and Mickle. And then she had another one that died as a baby and his name was Nickel. And, and I'm like, okay, like I have, I've been pronouncing them like Rickel and Mikel. Oh, Sure. Yeah, I don't know if that's. I mean, again, certainly, I think, I'm probably. I mean, I don't have well, the answer the here. Pronunciations are probably way off, and it's probably even like a third pronunciation that's actually <laughs> right. Um, and then, but then they were talking about like the um, the free states, like the four free states are okay. f- uh, Figat, Vigat, Gigat, and Wegat. And I was like, oh, huh, got it. <laughs> um, and then it was like. Um, and then, like the cities, like Shutterdam and Sutterdam, or and then there was the know. and there's yeah. the yeah, and then there's the two um, countries that were like um, Lothrod and Lothrod. Yeah, which is all of the queens have like sea names. Yeah, that are kind of similar. Exactly, which I I love. I did love that thread. Like all of the queens have C names that I'm totally here for. But my poor ADHD brain sometimes has trouble <laughs> when there are quite a few different names that are relatively similar. Um, uh, but really, that's just like a me having trouble keeping people separate versus like a I hated that about the book, you know, like. Because yeah, it did I not, it, it did not stop me from reading the book. I thoroughly enjoyed the book, with or without it. It just meant that there were quite a few times that I would be like, "Wait, why is that? Oh, right, okay, okay." Like, <laughs> or yeah, like, who is this again? Just a choice of this author to specifically make groups of names that sound similar. Yeah, uh, but I have that issue with. The one Russian piece of literature that I've read in my life. <laughs> uh, when we read Dostoevsky. Oh my god. Dostoevsky? Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Um, Crime and when Punishment? We, yeah, when we read that in high school, I could not keep the characters straight at all. Even yeah. though they weren't made up names, but they were so it seemed like they were so close, at least in their spelling in Russian, that I was like, who am I following right now? Like, is this the right person? I don't think it's, I think I've had these three people confused the entire time. Um, I had that issue when I first read The Hobbit um, by 
Tolkien. Um, I... And actually, it's what caused me to not read it for the longest time. Um, because right at the beginning, um, Bilbo meets, like, 12 or 14, somewhere in that range, dwarves. And they all come to his house in, like, three pages. And all of their names are, like, a couple letters off. Or, like, they... Mm. And I remember the first time I sat down to read it, I was like, first of all, they are introducing far too many people in too short a number of pages, (laughs) first of all. And then second of all, why are all of their names basically... It's like, like, um, I'm not even going to be able to remember all of them, but it's like Biffer, Boffer, Bomber, Ori, Nori, Dory. Like, I was like... The too many people. Like, <laughs> I felt like a robot, like over overheating. I was like I, shutting down. Like, <laughs> um, so, um, but other than I mean, other than that, like I just adored this book so much. It was so good. Um, yeah, I I loved it. I really, really loved it. Um, I think it might be my favorite so far of the books that we've read for the podcast. Ooh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I was so excited that I loved it because as I mentioned before, I, I mean, I love fantasy books just in general, but I don't often read many adult fantasy books. And, um, um, I'll admit it's often because I, I don't want to (laughs) read, I'll read them, and I've often enjoyed them, but I don't often turn to books that don't have a female protagonist, um, Mm -hmm. which is probably, not probably, which is a shortcoming of my own. I can understand that. Um, But I just prefer to read about a female protagonist, because who doesn't love a strong, badass woman? Um, So, and I find that that is much harder to find in adult fantasy books than in like young adult fantasy books. Mm -hmm. Um, so I loved that. I loved this book and we had a couple different female protagonists and, um, uh, and, and I just felt like it was a nice, good step into adult fantasy where I wasn't like, I mean, it was good, but, there was one woman in it, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> um, that's just not how the world is, you know, in, in any situation, you know, there's, there's always, you have to have a little bit of diversity in it, you know, that's very true. Yeah, that's awesome that you actually enjoyed an adult fantasy book. Good, I know. good job. <laughs> good job, us. <laughs> we picked a good book. Um, so what, what kind of notes do you have? My notes are all over the place as usual. Yeah, mine are too. I was just kind of looking that over that I wanted to talk a little bit about the opening of the book. Okay. Um, because it starts out with just this empty throne room, except for these giant catamounts. Mm -hmm. Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah. Um, like wandering and just circling and it's basically showing you that 
a queen has been missing from the throne for, I think, at least 12 years at that point. Um, yeah, something like and that. And the way that it was described, I was immediately oh, on yeah. the edge of my seat, completely pulled in, and it was maybe, like, three to four pages, and that was it. And that was the intro, and I was, they hooked, she hooked me right away, right then. I yeah. was like, yep. This is going to be a good book. I'm here for it. Let's figure out what this means. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and yes, it says, no queen had, has occupied the Nargis throne for more than a dozen years. Not since Queen Cressa, the Enchanter's terror-driven flight. Um, yeah, I, I had the exact same feeling. Like It's like a page long, you know, but it just... It did such a good job of, like, immediately I was like, oh. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so then I wonder, is that something that was written as the beginning of the book? Or did the plot and everything have to be developed and the rest of the book written? And then afterward, the author wrote it. Yeah. Ooh, like a, that's a, a good that's a, oh, that's a good thought. I didn't even think yeah. about that at all. Um, I wonder about these things sometimes, like how the books are written and yeah. the process and everything. Yeah, and because and especially I think because every author has such a different process for writing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good... Ooh, so Sarah, if you have an answer for us, let us know. We'd love to... <laughs> find out how that happened um my it's funny because my first note was also sort of about uh about the opening and about the back and then about what happens to her so right in that line right it talks about queen cressa's terror-driven flight from the Mm -hmm. throne room or from the capital more than anything and then Mm -hmm. on the back it's talks about Cerulea, and it says orphaned, exiled, and hunted, right? And I read the back. I read every page leading up to this, but the moment when Cressa and Ambrose died, um, still (laughs) managed to surprise me. Like, I... I think what had happened was, as I was getting there, like, I remembered that it said orphaned, but I was like, maybe she just thinks she's orphaned. Like, maybe she, like, because her mom left her behind, like, maybe they didn't mean, like, truly orphaned. Like, and then they died. And so I basically, was, you were, you know, reading I, these I, little stories in your mind. I built a whole of... different story in my mind. And so the part where they died, like, hit me, like, with a ton of bricks. And I was like... Oh, and it was especially sad because, of course, her, her, the dad died, I I mean, in a relatively normal way for a battle scene, you know, um, but Cressa's death was so, um, horrifying and, um, painful and... I was like, I felt like I didn't even have time to process. And then all of a sudden she was dead. Like, 
because I, I just felt like I was on a train and it was hurtling down a hill and there were no brakes and I was <laughs> and I couldn't get off and um I think it was really well done but that it was just it struck me after I finished the book that I was like how could I have gotten more warning <laughs> that she was gonna die <laughs> and then actually believed it because clearly the plenty of warning that <laughs> I had gotten was clearly not not enough. Yeah. So I have two completely separate comments to follow up on that, and I'm not sure which one to go with first. But I guess I'll go with this first because okay. I noticed this and kind of had an issue with how fast it seemed like the character's death happened and then you just moved on right away yeah like this happened with both Ambrose and queen cressa like i feel like one minute they're alive the next minute they're dead the next minute you're on to something else completely like it doesn't even the plot doesn't give you time to process the fact that a character a main character just passed away yeah. and that happened also with thalen's brother dying yeah. too like, one minute, I was like, whoa, battle, like, what's happening? And then he's dead, and then you're like, wait, what? What, what yeah. just happened? And then and clearly the it was, plot is it was, already moving on. It was confusing enough for me that I thought that the other brother died also, which, of course, he didn't, but clearly I <laughs> also struggled with that because I was like, Oh, yeah. Um, yeah I, I mean, wonder if... I don't know a different way to have written it, but to me it just felt like very I assume... sudden and cut off yeah. that I couldn't... It was harder to process. Um, I assume, maybe wrongly, but I assume it is probably a choice to try to mimic sort of the... Um, the... The... Um, why can't I think of the word uh, to mimic the hecticness that is battle, right? Like, I would imagine, not that I've ever been <laughs> in the middle of any sort of battle. What? Um, you haven't? I have you not. You haven't been to battle recently? I haven't. Like, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. It's, I have to tell the truth. I've never been in battle. Um, but I have to imagine that that's kind of how quickly things happen. You know, you're fighting, you're, whoever you're fighting next to is next to you, and then all of a sudden they're gone, or you're gone, or, you know. So I, I imagine that's what she was trying to do, and I think she did that part of it very well. You know, the kind of the fog of battle and the confusion and the um, uh, sort of everything surrounding it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But, yeah, I definitely agree. What Was, was that both yeah. of your thoughts, or did you have a second No, thought? that was my first one. Okay. So the second thought is, so I didn't read the back, per usual. You know <laughs> how, like, I won't read the forward or the, the author's, author's note or, sure, you know, anything sure. extra outside of the actual, like, writing of the book itself, I tend to just gloss over. So <laughs> I didn't know off the bat that she was orphaned as it 
is the first word in the description of the book. Right. My assumption, though, when reading that opening, like, page or so, when it says that there hasn't been a queen on the Nargis throne since Queen Cressa's, you know... Terror-driven flight. Terror-driven flight. My assumption when I read that was that Queen Cressa died during that flight. Mm. And so then when it the rest of the book starts and you see her, I thought, okay, is this a flashback? Right. Or or maybe I was wrong and she doesn't actually die. And so then it continues and then we get to the flight portion and I was like, oh no, she's going to die. Oh, this is going to be terrible. Oh, it's going to be horrible. And then she doesn't die right. during that section. Yeah. So then I didn't think she was going to die at all. And so then when she did in that battle and the, the sneak attack, yeah, I was crushed and didn't see it coming at all whatsoever. Yeah. I can so, for sure see that. Mm-hmm. I also, so on a completely different note, yeah. That, but it ties into our pronunciation issues. Okay. Of early, our earlier discussion. Yeah. How did you pronounce the country name of Queen Cressa's country? Uh, we're we're we're. Um, I think I. Um, uh, uh, I think I flip-flopped a little bit. Um, uh-huh. But I think it was somewhere between were... See, this is coming into the... I need to look at the word. Sorry <laughs> <laughs> um, to put you on the spot. That's okay. Um, I think it's flip-flopped between Werendale and Werendale. Okay, yeah, because I, I pronounced it Werendale. Mm-hmm. And so then the immediate thought that came to mind was Arendale. Yes. <laughs> and so then I was constantly, because at the beginning of the book, the name Werendale comes up many times because right. the first chunk of this book is mostly focused in that country, in the castle. So it's, you know, the ruling um ruling that country comes up a lot. Yeah. And so I was just constantly reminded of Arendelle and Frozen. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, where's Elsa? Why isn't Anna here? Like, what's happening? I'm thinking of the wrong story. So, That's hilarious. I did... Yeah, that's just what was happening to me while I was reading this That's book, really funny. Frozen came up multiple times in my mind and distracted I me. Did, I did think of Frozen when I first... Um, read the name uh but that's probably about as far as it went for me um but but i'm glad to hear that you were basically singing the soundtrack in your head (laughs) oh there were times when i was like (laughs) oh my god i love that so much (laughs) oh my gosh i love that so much um oh my gosh um one of the things that i wanted to talk about super briefly, um, was just something that really struck me as funny. Um, so it's in the sort of beginning of the book. It's when we first meet Willem, Stalia, and Persia. Mm-hmm. 
and um, they have been led by that bird. They found Cerulea and Nana. Um, although they don't know she's the princess at that point in time, um, or Princella, as they call her. Um, and uh, Stalia drinks some of the water. And I, it just struck me as so incredibly funny because the line reads, um, Stalia cupped the water in her hand and took a sip. It tasted like any stream water, but was somehow more refreshing. Stalia held the the next swallow in her mouth much longer, savoring its cool, woodsy wetness, the flavor of pebbles and pine needles. And I, and I read that and I was like, I don't know that I've ever taken a sip of water and then wanted it to taste like pebbles and pine needles (laughs) i was like that doesn't sound refreshing to me at all (laughs) i I was like if i took a sip of water and it tasted like pebbles and pine needles i would probably gag i would be like like (laughs) because i want my water to taste like nothing like (laughs) That is hilarious and something that I think I just completely glossed over. Yeah, it just it just struck me as really funny because I was like, would we call that refreshing? Because <laughs> I would call that gross. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But speaking of that scene yeah. where we meet Stalia, Willem, and Persia, did you foresee how they were going to be characters in the rest of the book or was that a complete surprise to you when the queen showed up at their house and said take my child um i didn't know exactly what extent they would be a part of the book but i knew that they were clearly going to be playing a a large part in the book um because um not even just because they, you know, Sarah spent the time to introduce this these characters. You know, I didn't figure she was going to be taking this time to introduce these characters so in depth. And like the oh. fact that the daughter's leg was being healed, and like all of this stuff, and then just have them right. be like, "Bye," you know. So yeah. like, I <laughs> I figured that we would see them again. Um, I of course didn't know if it would be in this book or in any of the following three books. I just knew that we were we had not seen the last of them when she sent them off, having forgotten. Um, having made them forgot for oh my gosh, having made them forget the whole exchange. Um, so so no, you didn't see that coming, but you knew they were there was going right. to be something like specific. Um, I uh yeah yeah okay so kind of going from there. Another note that I wanted to make about this book was, well, a couple of things that had to do with how the story was written and how you jumped from different storylines, like how we were with Queen Cressa and Cerulea, and then we jumped to meeting Stalia and her family, mm-hmm. and then, you know, you jumped to Thalen and then jumped to the commander of the Ormondo army and I really liked how for a while you didn't know how the heck these storylines were going to overlap yeah 
Like, you knew it was going to happen, but you didn't. Right. Exactly. You didn't but know. you really, at the beginning, had absolutely no idea how these storylines were going to intersect. Exactly. And I really liked how that, how this book was written that way. And I think she did a really great job of kind of keeping us guessing. Yeah. And in the suspense of that for a while. And thinking even further about it, even though I said before that I really like learning about a lot of different characters and learning in depth about a lot of different characters, sometimes I get frustrated with stories that are written this way where you have multiple different storylines and you get perspectives from multiple different characters because often I'll find that I like certain characters more and want to learn more about them and spend more time with them. Yeah. But then you'll be thrown into some other character storyline and yeah. personally, which is I'll funny because like, I, I want to skip this because I don't care about them right now. Yeah. I need to know what's happening with so-and-so. Which is funny because I know that I know this about you. Um, <laughs> having read books alongside you for years and years and years. Um, so when you first said that you loved that about, I was like, she does like (laughs) I was like so I do I do but I don't yeah because I was thinking about this when we read the girls of paper and fire I was very frustrated with how you really only got to see and learn about in depth really one character yeah maybe a little bit of one or two others but it was really the main character that you got to see anything yeah uh, in depth so that's when I started thinking about this and then reading this book kind of cemented the fact that I really like to know more about the characters, but often I can still get frustrated at times in a book because of wanting to know, like, oh my gosh, especially in, I think like one of the Game of Thrones books, I, I never did this. I never skipped over a section because I knew that every chapter was important and every storyline was important. But there were a couple times where I started skimming because I just really wanted to get to the yeah. next That's character. so funny that you say that because in this book, um, I found myself skimming over um, the commander's chapters at first. Because um, I was like, I don't care about you. Like, la, 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 you're so boring. Like, la, la, la. And then I would, like, finish the chapter and I'd be like, that was probably important. <laughs> let's start over again and then I'd go back to the beginning and I'd actually like read through it um, and it's actually really funny that you say that because in a different book series that I think hopefully I would love to talk about here on the podcast someday uh, but the Green Rider series there's a part in like the second book where you start getting a certain part um, that the first few times I read through that book I completely skipped like I was just like I have no interest in reading about this character like I have no interest in this storyline this is so dumb and I completely skipped it until probably like my third or fourth read through of the book and I was finally like I suppose I should probably read those um (laughs) and then it turns out it gave you oh my god I got to the end of I got to the end of specifically that book but like and then I started reading like some of the following ones and I was like this makes so much more sense now (laughs) Which, of course, of course it would, because it's part of the books. But it's like, I was like, why? And so since that revelation, I have made it a point to, like, if I find that I've skimmed through a chapter to be like, 
okay, let's go back. <laughs> yeah. Because there's a reason it's in here. <laughs> right. That's so great. So the reason I brought that up yeah. is because I realized that in this book, yeah. that didn't happen to me. Interesting. I didn't have any characters or any chapters where I felt the need to really rush through yeah. or didn't want to know about. Like I, to me, it was just the map the mapping out of the different chapters and characters and yeah. storylines all were interesting enough that I yeah. was just reading through them equally. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it's because, except for maybe a couple chapters, um, a lot of these chapters when they were switching over weren't at like a high stakes point of the story. That's- that's very true. So I wonder if that ties something into it. Like, it's like, except for, I'm, I'm trying to remember, I think pretty much except for the chapter after, or the chapter where Ambrose and Cressa die, I think for the most part, all of the switches happen at kind of a natural, you know, quote unquote, natural swapping mm-hmm. time. Yeah, that's true. I'll be interested to know as we continue reading this series, if you um, continue feeling that way. So we'll mm-hmm. we'll have to keep tabs on that and see. Yeah, you'll definitely have to, we'll have to check back in on that. Um, for sure. Uh, yeah, interesting. Very, mm-hmm. very interesting. Um, so let's see. So all of my notes are generally in, like, order of the book, obviously, because I'm yeah. reading through the thing. Uh, my next note just says page 160 cerulea describing willem okay let's see <laughs> let's let's see what the heck i meant about that um i'm so this she's already been dropped off with willem and stalia like her mother has fled uh-huh. um Oh, and it's just, oh, I know what it was. It's just this cute little moment where she has come home from um, school, like sort of her first day at school, and absolutely hated it. Um, And she, um, Willem comes home, and she puts on her cloak and runs out to meet him and to show him uh, the cloak that Stalia has made for her. Right. Um, and he says to her, well, now, don't you look grand, he said. And then just this little description was just, because she's like eight. And I was like, this is just the cutest, like, eight-year-old description ever. Mm-hmm. Um, well, now, don't you look grand, grand, he said. And his crinkles crinkled. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought, first of all, what a sweet little, like, eight-year-old way to describe when you smile, right? Because, you know, you're, yeah. everybody's face crinkles you know that's just how it works and then also like how a not that he's old old but how a slightly older person would crink you know because every as you age your skin gets wrinkles and then when you smile the wrinkles get more pronounced or they crinkle more and i just (laughs) and i just love that she called them crinkles instead of wrinkles um so i just thought that's so cute it was just like the cutest little like oh my gosh um My next note just says, I love that Kinley calls Cressa Queenie. Um, uh, uh-huh. uh, 
and just uh, to talk about those uh, about Kinley and about Cena. Yeah, basically like all the Queen's shields that their demises Ugh. just hit home to yeah, me. It was just... like the the sacrifice and the the courage to have that position and to be so loyal especially when you saw how many other people within the castle including a lot of the just soldiers and guards were no longer loyal to the crown yeah and how easily people could be bought off or manipulated and the fact that none of like the basically the entire shield except for that one I guess we could call them traitor. Yeah. Technically. They were all still so loyal. Yeah. And the fact that, yeah, that uh, you had to see so many of them die. One of the things that I thought about was like, wait a minute, aren't they supposed to be like elite warriors here? <laughs> like, why are so many of them dying in these initial skirmishes? That was the thought that I had. I was like, no, they're they're supposed to be the best of the best. Like, just because a pirate, um, you know, they're fighting pirates, most of the pirates should be dying, not not the shield. Yeah, I think it's. <laughs> I, I think know that's I think kind part of, of a it, weird thought, but no, I think it's a I think it's a very valid thought. I think, uh, especially in the case of the pirates, more than anything, it's just numbers. You can be the best of the best. But if it's you or a small number of you versus 20 or 30 other people, you know, like, mm-hmm. chances are someone's going down, you know. And a, a, oh, so, so rough also. But, like, in the case of Kinley, like, how do you fight off a basket of poisonous snakes? You know, like... Mm-hmm. There's only so much you can do, and not only is it a basket of poisonous snakes that explodes when it hits the deck, so that so that means you have poisonous snakes rocketing through the air, <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's you can be as good as you're gonna be, but that's yeah. that's kind of tough to fight off, you know, like, ugh, that just was horrifying. Um, Mm-hmm. And so gut wrenching that Cressa found a sense of family, especially with Cena and Kinley, but all of her shields really. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then to have to watch them die, you know, just, just awful. Although mm-hmm. Cena just died because of the island sickness or whatever, right? She got the island fever or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And so also, if you're a fantastic fighter, that's, <laughs> you can't. Yeah, I mean, you can still die from illness. Yeah. There are other ways to die. Yes. That is very true. Yeah, that, those were both just so. Yeah, very heart-wrenching, for sure. Um, so, I have a couple of notes. Yeah. So, First of all, a lot of my notes kind of coincided with yours, so we've already talked about a lot of them, actually. Got it. But I did have a couple from 
the the more the beginning of the book. Okay. That are kind of silly, but I wanted to talk about them anyways. Clearly, I like silly notes. (laughs) I don't know if you noticed this, but at the very beginning of the book, whenever they introduced a new character, and all of these characters initially were like advisors and people surrounding the queen within the castle, they, they, meaning the author, was very particular about describing their hair color. But I was really confused about it because most of it was like brown mm-hmm. or curly brown or like brown with a streak of amber or something like that. Right. So I was really confused because they seemed relatively similar, but it stood out to me as a characteristic that was described in every single character introduction. Yeah. And so it was something that was just like in the back of my mind of like, what the heck is this? This is so weird. Like, is this just a random quirk that this author has of needing to describe people's hair? Um, People's brown hair? (laughs) Yes, exactly. So then finally, when you got the nursery rhyme Mm -hmm. of like the different hair colors and you realize that different hair colors outside of brown represent like different peoples in the different realms Mm -hmm. and the different spirits that they um, kind of worship. And in days of old, you know, all the people from one nation had amber hair, one, you know, everyone had yellow hair, but then as different classes and different peoples, you know, intermarried and stuff, then you eventually got down to mostly brown hair with some parts of your hair being another color. Right. And so most of those people had already, you know, barely had any amber left in their hair. But because amber is also just a more natural color, if it had been like, oh, yellow or pink or green, like some of the other countries, that would have stood out to me more. But because amber is more of a natural... That's so funny. I did not pick up on the fact that she was describing their hair colors until the nursery rhyme. And then of course I noticed it from there. Um, But that's really funny. What I, what I found so fascinating about the hair colors was what an interesting way to introduce classism and racism without specifically mentioning skin color. And then I found it, I found it even more interesting um, closer to the end when um, Thalen was talking to whichever teacher of his he was talking to. I can't remember which one. But he's talking about skin color and he's like, isn't it interesting that my skin is browner than yours and but nobody seems to notice that or care about that. And then his teacher even says something basically along the lines of like, who cares about your skin color? You know, hair is what didn't like we've focused on or whatever and I'm like that's such an interesting thing because so many people are described as having like you still get skin tone descriptions you know Uh um but um I thought it was a very interesting way to bring up like I said these issues of classism and racism and 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 elitism um in a way that you could tell exactly what was happening, but without having it be skin tone based. Um, That's so true. Which I thought was really interesting. 
Um, also, as someone whose favorite color is blue, I love the idea of these ladies with their luscious shades of blue hair, uh-huh. <laughs> um, which I just thought was so cool. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Um, just like as a fun little side note about it. But yeah, that's that's so interesting because I did not... Um, I didn't pick up on on even I think that it was even happening I think I was just like okay yeah they've got this color hair okay great like I think I just thought of it as like she's wanting to make sure that we know what this person kind of looks like and I think I looked at it more of like because there's so many people that are being introduced versus hair has something to do with this until of course she tells that nursery rhyme and then and then I was like Oh. <laughs> oh yeah. Definitely. Um so I just looked at my notes again yeah. and realized that I completely forgot to talk about one thing when we were on that subject like however many subjects ago. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Yeah, I mean this so is this is how now. this is how conversations work. You just, you know, sometimes you got to circle back. <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to circle back to Cress's death. Okay. Because it really bothered me that she didn't tell her own brother where her daughter is. Like, I understand, sure, you want to keep your daughter safe, but you're no longer alive. No one knows where your daughter is. The heir to the throne, the person who can save your country shouldn't you tell your brother who you trust to go either get your daughter now or know where she is for the future of your family and your country? So I I was so confused and pissed and just. So that's, that's really interesting. At that decision. Yeah. Well, I, I, that's interesting because I didn't even think about that. Um, you're absolutely right. But I think the thing is, is it wasn't a decision. She had just been basically burned alive. She was in excruciating agony. She, I think, probably more than anything, was not even, like, really thinking about... Like, she thinks about her daughter in the end, right? But, like, not, not in the way of, like oh, I should tell someone. And I would also imagine that probably she's imagining as she's just watched flames fall from the sky and take out her, you know, at least two of her ships that no one's making it out of this alive. So like, why even tell her where she is? Because is he even going to make it out alive? You know, like, and we don't know if he made it out of there alive, right? Like we know that he, we know that he was, he was there, but like, what you know what what happens next right um that's true but to to that note yeah she should have freaking told someone (laughs) you're absolutely right right Um, i know i'm always right ellen come on (laughs) i'm so sorry i'm so sorry um it's so funny because that i didn't think about that until you've now mentioned it and now of course i'm like super bothered and i'm like why didn't she tell anybody i know (laughs) Dang it! Um, I, know, I was also really 
not to the same extent as not telling her brother, but I think I was kind of bothered too by the fact that she didn't tell her own husband where their daughter was just because of the fact that like well, if she dies then no one will know. Well, she so. almost she almost told him and he told her not to tell him because if he got captured, he didn't want to be able to tell them where she was. I understand that, but <laughs> if she dies and he doesn't, which didn't happen. But, you know, the theoretical before either of them died right. was me thinking, well, but if she dies or something happens to her, someone else needs to know where the heir of the throne it's, is. It's very true. You're you're a thousand percent correct. But I think in his mind, right? So think about it this way, right? In his mind, I'm imagining, the likelihood, he's not even considering the fact that Cressa could die. Like, that's not even a possibility that's crossing his mind. Like, right? Because he's got his whole armada. Like, they've, as we see later and later, like, more and more people are coming to join their cause. Like, all of this stuff. Like, it is not even a, a flicker in his thought process that Cressa could possibly die. He could maybe die. And he, like, you know, and I think he also realizes, like, she's the queen. He's just the consort. Like, he's disposable you know like he's not really because of course she loves him and all of that but like in his mind's eye of the two of them he's the disposable one and it's not even a possibility that he thinks of um i would imagine i guess that makes sense but also like i said you are a thousand percent correct someone else should know where she is (laughs) (laughs) um i have a note from around when from after finishing that chapter of Cressa and Ambrose dying and I just wrote I hate Matwick so much <laughs> that's it that's all I wrote uh, um and then shortly afterwards I wrote he is freaking delusional um so that comes later um in the book and he says something to himself like, I've done such a good job protecting the throne or whatever. Um, what does he say? He says, it's on page 373 of the paperback version. Um, oh, he thinks to himself, how unfair that I will never receive the proper honor for my loyalty to my country. And I... Yeah, he seems like... I was like... Uh, he seems normal, just like a conniving kind of power hungry character at the beginning yeah but yeah by the end you're like is something oh no yeah i'm like oh he's oh he's crazy i was like yeah (laughs) i was like um he's delusional and i hate him so much and um that's that (laughs) on that thing um but speaking of him and speaking about sort of your typical power hungry whatever i i was very fascinated in sort of his storyline um of watching i always feel this way in any sort of situation um when there's like a big plot that has a lot of moving parts that people have to keep track of in a storyline um but especially when it's the antagonist villain whatever you they might be in their particular storyline with like how sometimes how intricate (laughs) 
their plot is. And I'm like, if that were me, I would be forgetting about loose ends left and right. Like my, (laughs) my plans would never be that intricate. But then like when he, um, like at the beginning when he's looking for Cerulea and he sends out people with her dogs to try to see if they can smell her. I'm like, oh my God, that's brilliant. Like, mm-hmm. I would, I mean, maybe I would have thought of that, but, like, that's brilliant. And then... Like, later, probably not. <laughs> but Yeah, but, like, probably not. And then later on, when I, when they were, um, when they were, um, when he said, when he, they bred these bats to, like, find her and, like, report back about her, I was like, holy shit. Like, I was like, I would never... Um, I would never think of that. Like, well, so I was kind of confused by the bats. Um, even though they were being contained, like, and being transported by, um, some, what it seems like, agents from Matt Wick and his government. The red eyes kind of threw me off and made me think that somehow they were actually from, like, Oromondo. Mm. Um, Maybe it's so, a little bit of both, because we know he's working with Oromondo. Yeah, so that's where, like, it just made me question, like, what their relationship is. And... Yeah. Between the two countries, and how much they're actually working together, and, like, what the goals are. Right. And, like, all of that. So, yeah, I never really came to any conclusion about who the bats were actually reporting to or, like, where they came from, but it was something that I definitely questioned. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's... I think I didn't think much more about the red eyes more than, like, that's just, like, a such a stereotypic, like, evil trait. You know, it's, like, red eyes, evil. So I was just, like... Okay. Oh, yeah, it's the bad guys. It's Matwick somehow. Um, oh, yeah. For me, the red eyes I associated with, okay, that's not natural. It has to be more magical. magical. Right. And it has magic only the queens, so it can't be, at least in Warendale. So it has to be magic from another country. And then I associated red with the fire. So that's yeah. kind of like where my mind Okay, went. interesting. So, um,. So I wanted to go back to, you mentioned it, I think when you were talking about how Thalen is your favorite character. No, you talked about it when you were talking about your favorite part, about sort mm-hmm. of the, the learning part and how important some of those learning parts were to the rest of the book. Um, and mm-hmm. you mentioned sort of the biggest reveal, right? So the big, so the big um, sort of inciting incident um, is, at least in this, perceived inciting incident, I guess I should say, is the fact that the people of Oro Mondo think that the Warendell people sent over uh, rice that was contaminated and that started killing people off. Uh-huh. And so then you continue to learn that Armando is still dying. There's still this unknown plague that's killing people off, but it's like right. selective and right. And nobody can figure out, where it's coming from and what it's happening. And then we find out, like you mentioned, that it's the fact that they're mining and they are the, you know, 
contaminating runoff is getting yeah, into the water. They're contaminating their own water yeah. source. And I had this thought when we find that out or found that out. And I was like, I bet so I'm making this proclamation now. Watch me be okay. watch me be wrong, but I'm making this proclamation now. But I bet that the Oro leaders know exactly what's going on. Really? Like, I just have this feeling. Because, of course, what leading body of people would admit to their own mistake like that? Why admit Uh, to your own mistake uh when you can blame it on this country that you've been at war with, you know, or at odds with, at the very least, for centuries, you know? So I'm making this proclamation. I'll probably be wrong. <laughs> um, or likely. Here first. Yeah. Ellen will probably be wrong. Um, but on the off chance that I won't be wrong, I wanted, I wanted it on record. Um, mm. But I, and I don't know, I don't even know so much that I think um, the, uh, the commander that we, Sumath or whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that specifically he like I don't think he knows. Right. Um, but I think like the eight Magi. Um, I, I, I have an inkling that probably because also like they're magical. Like I feel like somebody somewhere up high knows exactly what's going on. Uh. And is using mm-hmm. it to their advantage is what I'm is what I'm thinking here. Um, yeah. Also, that speaking makes... about the speaking of the Oro Oros soldiers, um, as they like to call them, can we just talk about how brilliant it is to ride into war on oxen? Because, <laughs> like, I thought about this when they were in the fight scene with Thalen, mm-hmm. and he has that whole scene where he's avoiding the 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 soldier on the ox and i'm like so they're not the fastest things out there like certainly they're slower than horses i think i I actually don't know you can't and it seems like you don't have as much control over them yeah especially with maneuvers so like with horses they're faster and more agile respond more to the riders and are more even tempered so you know if the ox feels like not moving it won't move. <laughs> right. But also, I was like, but that's brilliant, because they're massive. They've got horns. Like, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like, such an interesting um, little tidbit to add in there mm-hmm. that I was like, that's so cool. They're riding oxen to battle, you know, oxen into battle. Um, yeah. So I found that really interesting. Yeah. Well, speaking of the animals that you ride into battle. Um, this goes back a ways in the plot, though. That's but did whatever. you cry when one of the shield's horses couldn't was too weak to swim from the ship to shore and just sunk? Yeah, of course I did. <laughs> I when I read that first of all it just like was a punch to the gut yeah but second of all I was like oh my gosh Ellen is going as as everyone so hard yeah as everyone (laughs) as everyone should know in general 
animal deaths are always worse than human deaths in books or movies or TV shows. Um, and especially when they're ones that you like a lot. You know, like it's... Um, I also cried a little bit when after um, um, Cressa and Cerulea have left the, the capital and they um, Matwick and his people have taken the younger dogs, not the youngest one, because it's still with Nana, but, like, and then they, like, put down the old one, and I was like, <laughs> like, I was like, she didn't get to be there. Or when, um, or when G- Gilly? Gilly? Yeah, the, the family dog. Yeah, like, when she died and, like, crawled off to die alone, and I was like, <laughs> I know, why are animal deaths so worse? I mean, not to be fair, I also cried when Cressa, mostly when Cressa died, but like, um, not quite as hard as when any of the animals died. <laughs> um, I also cried a little bit at the end when um, Ren Cerulea uh, was leaving, and she was leaving with. Also, I just love that the horse's name is Syrup. Like, I just. Yes love that so much um but she's leaving and syrup and speckles and um the dog yeah i can't remember the dog's name backy backy whatever his name is whatever and they're leaving together and then um she gets to the edge of their town and speckles is basically like you know an owl doesn't leave its territory. And she's like, I know. And I'm like, (laughs) and then she's like, I'm sorry that I can't come with you or whatever. And he's like, that's okay. Fledglings have to do their own thing. I mean, that's not exactly what he says, but um, that whole part, I was like, and, um, oh, she had barley with her. Why was I thinking? Well, syrup is the other horse's name, but either way, I was like, Oh, speckles. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, and I definitely cried there, too. Um, <laughs> just in case anyone was wondering. what would happen if we started a tally for each book, how many times you cried, and we just, like, that was something that we noted. All right, how many times did Ellen cry in this book? We can certainly, we can certainly do that. Um, I wonder... If there would be any kind of pattern. I want, yeah, that's interesting. So we can certainly do that. I think we would also have to tally the types of crying. Because sometimes, oh. sometimes it's just like a tear or two. And sometimes it's like full ugly crying, snot dripping down my nose. Like mm-hmm. I have to close the book and take a minute because I'm just emotionally devastated. Um because I'm an adult and that's how I read books. <laughs> um, just in case anybody thought I was like too cool for them. Yes, sometimes I read books and I have to close them because I'm crying so hard that I can't read the words and I can't breathe because there's too much snot falling out of my nose. Um, you know, just to like really humanize myself there. Um, Honestly, I don't understand how people can look nice when they cry like I'm pretty sure my snot runs faster than my tears (laughs) (laughs) I 
mean, I'm the one. I'm the one who brought up. Like, I need a tissue more for my nose than I do for my eyes. Yeah. Oh, generally, same here. Um, yeah. So we can certainly do that, but we're gonna we're gonna have to do like. Like, leaky eyes versus, like, crying versus, like, sobbing. (laughs) (laughs) And then we could also do, like, verklempt, which is, like, choked up. Like, but maybe not, like, actual. Because there are certainly also times where, like, I'm almost there, and then the chapter ends. Or, (laughs) you know, some the point of view shifts or something like that. And so, like, sometimes it's, like, sitting right there. And it like if there would have been even like a paragraph more, it probably would have happened. But then something changes. Um, um, speaking of things that made me cry, <laughs> um, the epilogue with Nana um, back at the capital city um, made me cry. And my only thought after reading that was, I hope she gets to see her again. Like, I hope that either they both live or live long enough to see each other again. Mm-hmm. Um, because she didn't get to see Cressa again. And she basically raised Cressa, you know, yeah. uh, as, as we find out. Um, so. But she but she's now she's gotta be ancient right so like because she because she raised Cressa from a baby like she was a young woman when she started doing that but she raised her into adulthood and then of course Cressa was young when she had Cerulea so like she's you know she's maybe not that old but like she's probably at least in her 60s or 70s you know so like and I don't know the lifespans of these people so maybe they live to be 200 I don't know but like it, yeah. ap- it appears that they seem to live relatively human lifespans. Um, mm-hmm. Or much shorter if <laughs> they get murdered. Um, Ugh. Yes. Do, I, I want to talk true. about um, the stone. That, oh my gosh, that is exactly the point that I wanted to bring up next, <laughs> too. So we're totally on the same page. Nice. Um, so first and foremost... Who would not love having, I mean, I think, actually, I think it would really be kind of like a double-edged sword, but who wouldn't love having that stone around to, like, be able to tell when people are lying to you if they're touching it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought it was very interesting that, like, each country or each group of people that worships a certain spirit yeah. has a different kind of magic. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Nargis has only the queen's. And they're the only ones who have the magic, and their magic is different with each one. But then Ormondo has those like eight magi, and they're the ones with they can like spew fire basically. Yeah. But then what is it, Lotharod or Rotharod? I forget which one has the stones. Ro- but they, I think it's Rotharod. Yeah. So they had like these three stones that were magical. I think now only one exists, but they had stones versus then um, with the other of those two where Cressa's father and brothers are from, it's like the magic is throughout the people of the country 
And so they have this like anticipation and sometimes it's stronger in one person versus another. Yeah. So I found that so interesting that the magic could be so different. Yeah. Even though it's the same like universe. Um, so speaking of that, speaking of the magic, speaking of the stone, so we find out obviously that Queen Cressa's magic is her enchantment. She can make mm-hmm. people forget things. She can make people tell her the truth. Um, you know, she can change people's memories, minds, you know, whatever. At the, mm-hmm. She has to be touching them. And we find out that Cerulea's power is that she can talk to animals, which, holy smokes. Oh, that's also part of the reason she was my favorite. I forgot to mention that. Because who, yeah. does, who doesn't wish they could communicate with animals, just as a side I know. note. Um. But then, when she is being um, interrogated by Tenny, and she puts her hand on the stone, and she's able to lie, um, I want, it made me wonder if talking to animals is not her only gift. That is exactly what I wanted to talk about. And I wondered if it was... Specifically with the stone, was how the heck did she get past that lie? Yeah. Like, what other kind of magic does she have? Exactly. And I wonder if that's why it didn't... You know, because at the beginning, we find out that she's, like, two years older than her mom was when she they found out what her ma- uh, magic was, and she's four years older than her grandmother was when they figured out what her magic was. So I'm wondering if she has more than one, which is why it took longer because mm-hmm. they're going to show up at different points in time. You That's know? an interesting theory. Another thing was throughout, you see this when you learn more about some of their ancestors, as well as what happens with Cressa, is some of their powers only come into being and they only manifest when they're absolutely needed. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, with Cressa, her ability, she only thought that she could erase people's memories. Right. But then, when she needed it, she found out that she could get the truth from someone. Yeah. Whereas before, she couldn't do that. So, I wonder if, similarly, Cerulea, in her time of need, a new facet of her magic... Right. ...manifested. Um... Yeah. I thought with Cressa, she had an inkling that she could do it, but she never knew if she could or couldn't. Oh, okay. I got the feeling that she was, like, kind of disappointed that her only power was, you know, changing people's minds. I guess... And that she really didn't pay much attention to her magic, nor did she try to figure out, like, if she could do more with it. Okay. I guess my thought was when, like, when she and her, one of her shields goes and intercepts the one at the gate, and she gets the truth, I I guess that was my perception at that point in time, but maybe that was just me. I don't remember, is the short answer. <laughs> well, yeah, that's when, that's after she knew, that's after that part of her No, magic. no, no. I, I meant, I thought at that point she said something to her shield because he was like, I didn't know you could do that. And she was like, I wasn't sure myself or something like that. Yeah, because that's after she had only done it once before with her maid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so she had done it once. Like, it had, that was the first time it happened and she was, like, confused by it. And so then she thought she could do it and did it again with the shield. Oh, and I think kind of like I think confirmed. I got that time frame mixed up a little bit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm same page. Same page. Same page. Awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, okay. So, did you have any other notes? I don't think so. I think we talked about everything. Okay. So no. For me, I oh sorry. I have one more thought. Or, no, that I wanted to talk about. I also do, too. Okay. So, go ahead. So, mine goes back to um, sort of Thalen's storyline. Mm-hmm. And um, it's when they are, um, they know that um, the invasion is coming, but it hasn't quite come yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're still at that meeting. Um but it's, um, I'm so sorry, the invasion is starting and that they were sort of at that um, meeting at the Scholarium. And at the it's on page 404 of the paperback version. Um, and Thalen is saying goodbye to Granelton. Mm-hmm. And um, he says, farewell, Tudor, Tudor Granelton. You provided the assembly with your wisest advice. Um, you and the others saved the library. You've given the local women prudent counsel, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then it says, the elderly scholar shook his hand and then pulled him into an awkward embrace. I have not done half enough with my life. There were treat- treatises. Treat- I can never say that word right. Treatises? Treatises? Is it treatises? So, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> um, I should have written. He struck his own forehead with his fingertips. What knowledge will perish when I die? How could I have thought I had more time? How could I have been so lazy and slow? Um, and I was, it's funny because that probably could have and should have been along the lines of one of my favorite quotes. Um, because that's often something that I think about when people die and especially when people die early, when they're young or, um, young-ish or anything like that, I often think to myself, what has the world lost in that situation? Um, Because, of course, everybody thinks about the world differently and brings different things to the table and um, all of that. Um, But I thought it was just such a hauntingly beautiful um, thing to think about, and it was just also interesting to see something that I have often thought about Uh written just plainly on the uh, page um, that I was like duh I mean (laughs) and it's also interesting how has no one else thought of this right and it's also interesting because it's you know to be honest it's like one of my great I don't want to say fear but fears of my life like (laughs) Like, will I have enough time to learn what I want to learn and share what I want to share? And, you know, so it was just very, so clearly what I'm saying is this should have been one of my favorite quotes, but instead I made it a note (laughs) Um, to discuss. That's fair. Um, And I think that makes a lot of sense based on just you as a person. Like, I can see you thinking about that. Thank you. Thank you, I I think. (laughs) Yeah, so my last 
note is definitely not as deep or anything <laughs> like that. I feel like that was a good like reflection comment. Okay. Um, my last note was just that I loved the water references and all of like the local sayings and swear words of Warrendale. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like they would say like drought dam or <laughs> for water's sake. And yeah. again, those were just like little sneaky bits of humor that I liked throughout the book yeah. um, and thought it was just another creative way that Sarah Kozloff uh, really created the world yeah. by having the different local sayings and swear words for yeah like the different countries. Um, I don't know that we've been introduced to any because most of the a lot of the book centers around Ren and Cressa and they're from and Matwick and you know Warrendale. Yeah. So I don't know that I remember any local sayings from any of the other countries, but. Right. The water ones definitely stood out to me. um, It's funny because I certainly noticed those, but the one that really stood out to me um, is the one that you see, especially in, um, like, the shields. I feel like they say it pretty frequently. Um, um, Oh, shoot. It is... um, I I wish I was more ready for this. Um, (laughs) Um... pig fucking (laughs) they use they use it all the time and I was like that's so funny because clearly or not clearly but I assumed clearly it's kind of like their version of like motherfucking right like oh like like in this quote here he had a pig fucking time finding a merchant to change it into coin you know like yeah and they use it interchangeably, like, because they use it like that. And, like, at other points, they call people pig fuckers and, like, uh-huh. all of that stuff. And I was, so that's the one that really stood out to me, mostly because it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did notice it with the water ones, too. Um, but it's, I think it's little things like that, like you said, that just really speak to how well she's built these worlds and these different worlds and shown their differences and um um yeah I think that's really wonderful um yeah I on that note I love fantasy but sometimes it takes me a while and I really struggle with the fact that it's a world building genre so Mm -hmm. these authors have leeway to do anything and everything yeah and I find it sometimes very hard to understand and follow and like grasp some of the concepts in these worlds and like it takes me a while to kind of like understand how some of the societies work or like random aspects of things that I can't really picture in my mind yeah Uh, but in these books, or in, in this series so far, in this first book, I didn't have trouble with that. Like, this was a world that made a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And I was able to catch on much more quickly. That's so interesting. I also, I, I don't, off, 
I sometimes, <laughs> I'm like, I need to, I need to quali- quant- quantify this. Like, I sometimes also have that issue. I totally understand. The one thing that took me a little bit of time to get into was um, the dialogue. Um, because for me, it was, I was having a hard time pinpointing when they were being very formal and archaic with like the these and the thous and the uh one would do this or um tis and like all of these sort of what we think of as like or i think of i should say i guess i shouldn't say we um that i think of as like old english or like shakespearean english or like you know um and like when they would use things that are more modern you know like um so it took me a little while to sort of get into it, but once I was there, it was totally fine. But that was sort of the one aspect that, that I was I, I grappled with a little bit at the beginning, um, uh-huh. was sort of figuring out their grammatical rules because <laughs> <laughs> they differ from from ours. So I was like, uh-huh. um, not that it was bad; it was just something I had to adjust to. Anything else that you would like to? discuss i don't think so okay we talked about a lot i know oh my gosh i'm so excited to read these next books um i um i know i think i said this to you before we started recording but like if i hadn't already known that this was part of a series um i like very clearly this is ramping up to like bigger and even bigger and even better things so i'm very excited um, and I want to know if I'm right about <laughs> these people knowing that they're poisoning the water system. Um, yeah, that is such an interesting theory that I totally didn't think of. But now that you say it, it makes sense that like rulers, if they messed up, aren't going to yeah. acknowledge it and are going to blame it on someone else. Yeah, absolutely. That's such an interesting theory. So, come back and join us. Find out if I'm right. I know it's everybody's favorite pastime. Um, Be sure to check our uh, episode notes about what book we'll be reading next week. Um, You can... Oh, just kidding. (laughs) I forgot. We'll be reading the second book next week. (laughs) I forgot. Because the past... The last series that we read, the third book isn't even out yet. So that threw me off. And then, like Fable, that second book is not even out yet. So that threw me off. But guess what, everybody? All of these books are out, so we don't have to wait. Yeah, as uh, long as it's only a series of four. Yeah. So we're That's very true. lucky. If it is a series of four, we're very lucky that all four books are published, so we don't have to wait. Right? I'm going to say that they are. I'm going to... Okay, I shouldn't say that they are, because I don't know. I'm going to go with... Hopefully they are, because on the back of this first book, it says, The Ultimate Fantasy for Fantasy Fans. Binge an entire series. Ah. And then, um, if you look at the back of the book, and it has all four books on it, and it says, A Queen in Hiding. Nothing stays hidden from destiny. The Queen of Raiders. All will burn. A Broken Queen. Not all scars are visible. And then, The Cerulean Queen the return of the queen. So uh-huh. plus Cerulea is her name. And the fact that the fourth book is called the Cerulean queen. I'm, uh-huh. I'm hopeful that that means that's the last book, <laughs> but, 
but you know, knowing our luck, we'll get there and we'll be, it'll be there'll be a fifth one and we'll be like, dang it. Um, so just kidding. We'll be reading book two, The Queen of Raiders, for next week. So please feel free to read it and then come back and join us. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at the Uniquely Portable Mag- Magic Podcast, uh, at UPM Pod Official. On Instagram, we're Uniquely Portable Magic Podcast. And then you can always email us if you'd like with book suggestions, your thoughts, your comments, uh, cute animal pictures. We won't say no to those. Really, whatever you want. Um, and that's uniquely portable magic podcast at gmail.com. Uh, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye.